Hey everybody, welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast. This is the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer. I'm going to ask the questions of Matthew. I'm his older brother, so I get to tell him to do whatever I want. Matthew, say hello. Hello. <laughs> See, I told you. <laughs> it works. Before we get into the episode, remember we have ways to directly support the podcast. You can go to stilltbd.fm. There's a link there that allows you to throw coins at us. There's also the join button on YouTube in case you're there. And if you are there, you can see our faces. That's how you know you're there. If you can't see us, you're probably listening to us somewhere else. Today, we're going to be talking about Matt's most recent episode. This is revisiting the supercapacitor. The wait for graphene is over. Finally, just in time for the holidays. <laughs> in case you were looking for that last minute gift, big bag of graphene. That's right. I really like that would technically Christmas. it would technically be the equivalent of coal. Yes. Yes. But it You've would been a naughty be boy. Here's some graphene. But it would also be very valuable. So <laughs> I guess times really have turned and up is down. Black is white. Dogs are cats. It's the 21st century coal. That's right. This episode aired on December 7th, 2021, which means we are almost to the end of 2021, which seems impossible. But what are you going to do? So. This episode focused on revisiting, right there in the title, revisiting the supercapacitor. This is something you've talked about, you've touched on a couple of times, but you did have one specific episode two years ago. Mm -hmm. And again, time being a flat circle, it's remarkable that it was two years that mm -hmm. you first touched base on this issue. Can't believe, can't believe I've been doing this this long. <laughs> right. And at the time, it was viewed as this is promising and it's, it could change a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And as you talk about, there are a couple of companies that are now actively beginning to produce the first steps to commercially marketing actual product. So the, yeah. we haven't passed the threshold yet, but we are standing at the door of products being available that use this technology. Yeah. To clarify on that, though, there are companies that are putting out graphene products that are really just marketing hype like there's a pair of headphones that you can buy that are have graphene drivers in them and it's like in all the testing that you know audiophiles have done on these headphones they actually sound awful and like mm -hmm. all the marketing spin it's just like okay maybe they did put graphene in this but it didn't make any kind of demonstrable difference they're just using it for the marketing hype of having graphene in the product right. so it's like this video is more about we're right at the doorstep of actual meaningful graphene products starting to hit the market not the this battery has graphene but lasts just as long as other batteries it's like no we're we're finally at a point now where there's some materials starting to show up in the world that are going to start having an actual impact in production and use and this was one of the ones that caught my eye because it's like can't remember the exact amount but it's about 70 percent higher performance than the previous version of the same exact product so their mm -hmm. non-graphene product is it apples to apples comparison? It's the same exact ultra capacitor from the same exact company. This one is the new gra curve graphene, and this one's the previous one. And look at the difference between the two, and it's pretty dramatic. So mm -hmm. that's part of why I wanted to talk about it because it's it's a real world product hitting the market. So it's it's pretty cool. And it seems like the first instance of this that we're going to see are things that we are not going to see. Yeah, like like this. It's like you're not going to see we're, this in your daily life. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to see it in the form of of 
trucks and trains and trams, maybe wind turbines. Other wind turbines. <laughs> it's it's going to be it's going to be as noticeable in your daily life as the updated traffic lights that have been yeah. put around on your city streets. You aren't going to know unless you know that these new things incorporate new things. Because yeah, it's like, why are, would you? Why would you? Why would you know about this? Yeah, yeah it's, it's these are the kind of things that kind of are the underlying glue of our society that we don't even think about or know about. It's just right. making our electrical grid work, making the renewable energy from wind turbines work. That's what this stuff is. It's the glue, and so it's like it's just updating those building blocks, which should help reduce costs. It should help make them more efficient, and so it's like it's going to help things that we just aren't aware they're even happening in the first place. So it's like this is right. still not products that we're going to like. I can go to a store and buy it. That's going to be meaningful. To me, it's the first product that's hit the market where it's getting past the graphene hype, where the right. graphene hype has been a huge problem because over-promising, under-delivering, and here's the first actual thing that's coming in that we can actually start to go, okay, now I can start to see how this is going to improve things. Right. You referred to the earphones. It wouldn't surprise me at all if somebody discovered that they could trademark a brand name that incorporated graphene. Yeah. Like graphene turbo without it actually having the way that trademarks work in the U S and I believe worldwide, it's largely the same uh, in many countries. There's a lot of garbage that can get through just because the rules are so old. And so you're able to trademark things that don't actually make sense. You're able to patent things that already exist it's mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of loopholes that people can take advantage of and if they have a really good legal team that knows the ins and out of all that it's entirely possible that there's not an ounce of graphene anywhere in some of the products that are actually marketing themselves as graphene products if it is just a brand name exactly yeah. so when you look at at something marketing itself as graphene you should really question i would think why do I care so deeply about the idea of graphene in this thing? Right. It's, it's, it comes down to the user experience. What are right. you getting out of this? Oh, this battery lasts 30% 30, 30 longer. Okay. There's the thing that's going to make a difference. It's like this supercapacitor lasts how much longer? It's like, it's that kind of thing that we have to look at, look past the marketing hype and, and look at the end results and costs and the user experience and the, everything that goes around it is the most important part. I really enjoyed the interview that you conducted with Dr. Pullman. Mm -hmm. He seemed, yeah. uh, my first response was, my God, he's incredibly young. <laughs> 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 I've reached that age where I've, I've crossed over the hump of the hill and I'm on the downward slope now. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I hear, I hear voices of, of knowledge and expertise behind me of those people who are still climbing the hill. And I look back and I think, oh God, they're catching up. <laughs> and Dr. Pullman was one of those. God bless him. I'm glad he's doing this work. He seems to really know what he's talking about. And he was very clear in being able to convey some of these complicated ideas. And one of the things that stood out to me, and you included it in the video, I think for this reason, is it underlined something you've talked about in previous videos, which is we talk about these things and we see these advances obviously very early in testing stages and in lab mm -hmm. environments. And it is very tricky to get out of the lab and get into production. Yep. That seemed to be 
the biggest thing that he was pushing in this moment. And what really stood out was him saying, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's easier getting past that first step of you've been able to create, I believe he said, you've been able to, to successfully manufacture a gram of this material over and over and over. Now you want to make a kilogram and it's not working. Exactly. You figure out why. And then once you get past that first hump, it starts to get easier from that step, from that place forward. I thought that it was very, it struck me as very important to hear somebody who literally has a hand on the lever making these things to Mm -hmm. say that, because as you pointed out, the headlines, the reporters write an article, an editor who is now taking secondhand information creates a headline that may even be adjusted further down the editorial path. And then you get a headline that says graphene is going to change everything by Wednesday. Mm -hmm. It's setting false expectations about all of this. And it's like, Elon Musk has talked about how it's easy to come up. It's easy to come up with the breakthrough idea. It's hard to take that idea into full production. It's like, that's where ideas kind of go to die. <laughs> it's just actually right. scaling that up. And when Tesla was going through their, what they called production hell during the model three ramp up, their new batteries that they had been creating, the amount of batteries that were failing testing. Now, I, don't quote me on this exact number, but it was really high. Like, you know, like 40% of the batteries were just like not passing test so it's like if you have that much waste being created by your process it makes your process crazy expensive and so it's like until you start perfecting that and getting it to 70 percent are passing quality assurance 80 percent 90 percent are passing quality assurance it's like that's when the prices start to drop and that's exactly the challenge that dr pullman was kind of tapping into of you know mass production of curved graphene the way that they designed it was really hard to scale that up and to do it in a cost-effective way, and they're still doing it. They're not, they're not done perfecting that process. And I hope that came through in the, in the interview because this, this coming year, 2022, the product is real. It's on the market. They're actually manufacturing those ultra capacitors now, and they're giving them to partners to integrate into their workflow and their products to test it and give feedback. And they're having this back and forth with their partners on these ultra capacitors. And then by the end of the year, they will have hopefully scaled up their graph curve graphene production and perfected some of the processes with their partners so that they will be producing these more at scale and then it will become widely available to whoever wants them. So it's like, it's basically right. a private production for partners and then it will become public within probably about the next year. So it, it, it's still, even though it's a real product, it's still early days for that real product. Right. It's also, this product is the kind of thing that, its emergence on the market when it's happening is important for infrastructure development around the world. And here in the U.S., mm-hmm. we're dealing with with infrastructure investment thanks to recent bills that have passed to actually pump money into refurbishing things like bridges and highways and, and in improving environmentally friendly and renewable energy use. But something like this, which is simply if you retrofitted, let's say, New York City's subways mm-hmm. to include these supercapacitors in the train to reclaim some of that energy. The idea that 30 percent, he mentioned in his discussion of this, that these supercapacitors have the ability to reclaim 30 percent of braking energy. Yep. The idea of the cost savings to those of us who live in cities with subway systems that would mm-hmm 
potentially be able to harness this. This is the kind of background infrastructure that we're talking about could be impacted by this. That's why this is, that's where this is going to hit your life. The fact yeah. that the MTA will not raise the rates on ridership again in the next year, potentially, because if they put something like this on the trains, it could lower costs overall for them. So right, that's what we're talking about. Some viewer comments that stood out for me included those like this one from Peter Schmidt. Like others have pointed out, using this tech for regen braking is the better goal in mind. A lot of energy is wasted in regen braking because you can't charge the battery quickly enough. But to capture all that energy, an ultra capacitor, and then release that energy to accelerate would make a pretty dramatic difference in range. Then the battery can just be used for cruising and operating all the instruments. So something like putting it into a, he seems to be talking about potentially electric vehicles like the Tesla. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. When it comes to EVs though, I actually talked about this in the comments with a few viewers. Part of the reason you don't see that in EVs is it adds complexity to the design of the vehicle where lithium, mm. the lithium ion battery, battery, battery packs are already good enough. And they're kind of, they're, they're addressing basically what the car needs to do today. So adding this isn't necessarily going to decrease costs. And so it's like when you're talking about trying to make electric vehicles as cost effective as possible to get them in more people's hands and make them cheaper than gasoline cars, which is what Tesla's focused on, which is what VW's focused on. It's like, they're not going to make their vehicles more complex to add in systems like this necessarily on this, unless they can see a reduced production cost and they can see a reduced cost for the consumers and a demonstrable benefit to making that complexity. I'm adding mm -hmm. that complexity to the manufacturing process. That's part of the reason why you're not going to see Tesla doing this. In my opinion, they bought Maxwell technologies, which is another supercapacitor company. And they bought it years ago and they still haven't integrated them into their Teslas for this exact reason. It's, it's, it would just add complexity and you're not really getting a huge benefit out of it compared to what they're able to do today mm -hmm. for less money. So it's, it's one of those, it's the whole user experience. So as yeah. yes, it can recover more energy from the braking, but then what's the overall costs of the system? What's sure. the complexity to it? What's the quality assurance? What's the user experience? It's like, it's all of that. So there's also been the inclusion of, of Volvo in its announcement of going fully electric. Mm -hmm. I believe they said by 2030, mm -hmm. which seems remarkably near considering that we're almost to 2022. But it strikes me that perhaps the capacitor wouldn't be used in smaller electric vehicles, but it does seem like it would have a place in larger electric vehicles like trucks and buses. Trains. Where you would have more, yeah, and, and trains where you have more of a mass where braking becomes more of an energy consumption than it would in a car. Think about, think about how long it takes for a train to slow down. Right. Imagine being able to capture all that energy as it's trying to slow down into capacitors and batteries and things like that. You could really recover a lot of energy. Yeah. There was this comment from I am future trunks. Very interesting username trunks. <laughs> trunks wrote, I remember years ago when there was talk of having cylinder type batteries with graphite used instead of it used the size of double A batteries, but being able to store like five to 10 times the amount of power a regular battery can. The only problem they were saying back then was there was no way to mass produce the graphite. This reminded me of that and how I'm still waiting on those great batteries that can store way more power. The current batteries we have these days still stink. And until we get better energy storage for long term, we will be reliant on fossil fuels, which, as he says, stinks. I think that everything I get from this video is that we're going to continue to wait or those yeah. more efficient batteries to hit the market. Like we've been talking about the, the kinds of advancements that are going to happen in the next 
two years or so will probably be very background and we're not going to be seeing those graphene batteries hitting the market. And if you see that on a package and it's not from a reputable brand, <laughs> like you're not seeing Duracell, you're not seeing Energizer, you're seeing, you know, go-go batteries. Now with graphene, you might want to say, hmm, I'm going to go-go over to the other section where they have the Duracell. <laughs> there was this from Mark Oakley. I'd love, I'd love to see some use case specifics, like how long can a smartphone run on a supercapacitor the same size as a lithium-ion? Here's where I already can hear Matt shaking his head. <laughs> this is not where we're going to see that used. You'll never see this in a computer. You'll never see this in a phone. It's like that capacitors and batteries are two very different use cases. Capacitors are like short-term high power need. So if you have a huge spike of energy you need, it basically re can release that energy virtually all at once. And it can take right. all that energy almost at once. For batteries, long-term energy storage, where it's like if you want to run a phone for 24 hours like we do with our phones today, you need a, a battery, not a capacitor. Right. So it's like they're very, very different use cases. So these, these capacitors are inching their way closer and closer to what a battery kind of was if you rewound a little bit right right but batteries are advancing so far beyond that it's kind of like they're kind of not exactly keeping pace but it's like capacitors are becoming more like weaker batteries and then batteries are becoming really intense for how much energy they can store right and then there's questions about how far batteries can go before they become just completely insane and dangerous with how much capacity and danger we're packing into such a small little thing yeah it strikes me that we have groups of energy production energy storage and energy release technologies and that mm -hmm. we've kind of shifted the set that we're reliant on from one mm -hmm. initial set which relied on burning a fossil fuel and batteries as the short-term solution in in many cases it's now redistributed so that it's a lot more long-term consistent release which includes batteries yes. and things like solar wind power water and that the capacitor has they you talked about it in your in your video take a solar field take a, a field of wind turbines as dr pullman talked about if you have nothing but 100 percent of that then the moment the sun goes down your energy use becomes a problem because mm -hmm. if you are 100% reliant on solar and the sun goes down, where are you going to manage those spikes from? You don't have the ability to produce more energy because the sun is down. Where does your energy come from? It would come from an accompanying farm of these capacitors that would have taken in a charge during the day when the solar was producing its maximum yield and was not being fully utilized by consumers. That charge goes into that field of supercapacitors. And then in the evening, the sun goes down, you get that spike in usage. And now these capacitors quickly just release that energy into the market and allow the energy consumption to be met by supply. It's not like a battery, which if you put all of that energy from the solar field into a battery, the release would not be fast enough. Have I in, kind of in, encapsulated in the issue? Yes. In theory, it's like, de it depends yeah. on how you've designed the battery system. So it's like, you could imagine like a massive battery grid scale energy storage with a smaller, like uh, 
capacitor system right alongside of it. And the two of those work in tandem so that you right. can handle sudden increased spikes through the capacitors, but the batteries are there almost like a base load energy plant. This kind of like they can react quickly, but not with as much power. So if you need a sudden burst of power, the capacitor is going to help give you that. And skeleton technologies, I remember it was a couple of years ago, fully charged, put out a video showing a stadium. I can't remember what city it was in. I think it may have been in Poland. Um, there was a stadium that used a skeleton capacitor system in the stadium for like you flip all the lights on and you're flipping everything on in the stadium. There's this crazy spike before things kind of settle down. And this capacitor system handles the huge spike before mm -hmm. everything kind of levels off. So it's like there's there's different reasons why you'd want to use this in different use cases. So it's Dr. Pullman said to me, point blank, this is not going to replace batteries, period. It's going yeah. to be adjacent to batteries. It's going to be a partner with batteries. It has it solves a problem that batteries can't necessarily solve by themselves. All very interesting stuff. And again, I appreciated Dr. Pullman's time spent with you in was, talking about this. He was great. I'm curious from the listeners, what do you think about all of this? It's a lot of new stuff. And do you see any other background places that this might pop up? The kinds of things where you wouldn't necessarily as a consumer, as an individual, feel like, oh, I'm definitely benefiting from this technology. But if you really kind of like looked under the hood, what are some other cases where you think you'd be like, oh, this is a place where that might actually make sense? Let us know what you think in the comments. You can find our contact information in the podcast description or on YouTube. You can just scroll right down to the comments. While you're doing all that, please do subscribe. Please do like the video or the episode. Don't forget we have ways to directly support the podcast. There's still tbd.fm and you can throw coins at our heads. Or if you're on YouTube and actually looking at our heads right now, you can just scroll down to the join button. Please be sure to give us a rating, a review, share us with your friends. All of that really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew gives me a capacitor for Christmas. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Have a good one.